It's November 3rd, 2021. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we'll have Melly James. She's the co-founder of Mana Up, and she's here to tell us about the upcoming 2021 Mana Up Showcase. And then, of course, we'll be joined by Brian Glazer from Hohonu, and we'll talk about climate change, sensor technology, and a partnership with NOAA. Now, I want to welcome Melly James back to the show. She's the co-founder of Mana Up, and she's getting all geared up for the Mana Up Showcase. Welcome to the show, Melly. Thanks, Bert. Thanks for having me. So there's a lot of uh, stuff, uh, I'm sure, that you have lined up for tomorrow, which is the big debut of uh, you know the uh, Mana Up Showcase. And, and, and give, us a, give us kind of a rundown. I, I know, you know, of course, in, in past uh, showcases, you know, people would be able to show up someplace and have a big uh, gala event, but the this one is pretty much virtual. But you're, you've got some pretty creative ways of getting you know getting this this showcase shown all over the place. So, give us a quick rundown on what in uh, what's involved with the showcase itself. Yeah. So, um, you know, end of program. We're we're just finishing cohort six of our Mana Up Accelerator. We've got twelve young um, 12 entrepreneurs who have just graduated from the program and this you know traditionally had been our end of program demo day event and now we've shifted gears to online because of the pandemic and really it created an opportunity for us to kind of bring hawaii to the world um really creating this kind of world stage for hawaii and you know i was actually just on a panel earlier today with um, john defries around regenerative tourism so it's really kind of interesting time as we're piloting different ways to continue to bring in new dollars into the state. And this show is a great example of that. So the show will be tomorrow. 3.30 is our pre-show. 4 o'clock is the main show starts. Um, we'll be live streaming on Facebook and YouTube. So if you go to houseofmanaup.com, you can register for free. And that gets you entered to win um, a whole bunch of really cool giveaways that we'll be doing throughout the show tomorrow, including two round-trip tickets um, to the mainland on Hawaiian Airlines, as well as a year of King's Hawaiian Sweetbread, as King's Hawaiian is our title sponsor for the event. Um, but really, it's a variety show. We have pitches from our 12 entrepreneurs who are graduating from Mana Up. We've got, you know, High Spice, which is a super good spice company, a hot sauce company from Maui. We've got Keiki Kau Kau, which is a, a really fun kids' toys puzzles uh, companies from here on Oahu. We have Pono Potions, which is like mixology and cool flavors for coffee. Um, we also have Utara Organics, which is a really great skincare line made from mango bean, which I just learned is the queen of fruit, which is based on Koi. Um, but yeah, we've got pitches, we've got music from Kimi A Minor, as well as rising musicians that are Coming in from Haku Collective, uh, ones no one's even heard yet before. We've got shopping, so everyone can get their holiday shopping done early. Um, as well as we've got People's Choice. So we actually, people, as you're watching, you can vote for your favorite, and they have a opportunity to win an additional $5,000. Wow, I this keep is... talking, Bert, but I'll let you come in. <laughs> no, this is great. <laughs> so so the Facebook the Facebook uh, uh, Live and YouTube Live, I mean, are you guys going to kind of stage it somewhere, or is it kind of, no, it's not going to be, a, it's more of a, a production as opposed to a Zoom kind of thing, right? Yes, it's an absolute production. We are working with RKT Media, so Ryan Suji is my co-host for the show, and we will be filming at live from Hawaii Theater. 
Ah, okay, okay. So the, the, the folks will actually be at the theater. There'll be cameras, lights, action, and then uh, all of this will get streamed on Facebook and YouTube uh, on, uh, I guess, at 4 o'clock or 3.30 uh, on, on Thursday, which is the 4th of November. And, of course, you said that there were uh, a bunch of giveaways, too, so people can kind of sign up, register, and, and you said there was, like, uh, uh, airline tickets and, and uh, King Sweetbread. I mean, what else you got that you're going to give away? Yeah, so uh, Foodland is a great partner of ours, so they are doing a whole dry bar takeover, so that there's new... I don't think this would be good for you, Bert, but it's for, you know, women who are really like that whole doing their hair up and then dry. <laughs> it's a dry bar. It's like a design thing. So you can take it over with, um, I think, eight of your friends and you get to take over the whole shop and do a little party, which is really fun. They're also uh, announcing Eleven, which is Foodland's newest concept at Ala Moana. Um, and there's a $100 gift certificate as well as uh, a table for four at Et Al, which is their new restaurant at the Kahala Market. Uh, we also have Waikea as a great partner of ours. They're doing a really cool sparkling and still year of water. Um, and we've got other really fun um, giveaways. All of our alumni are going to be kind of chiming in and doing some cool giveaway or a special happening. So a lot of things that are going to be featured during the showcase are new releases, new flavors, uh, never seen before collections. So it's the perfect time for shopping. I know a lot of us are thinking about holidays because early because of supply chain challenges. So it's a, it's a great time to get the super never seen before uh, local things that you can be supporting our economy um, and supporting local entrepreneurship and really also getting to know these entrepreneurs and, and what's going on and what's the story behind their product. Well, that sounds great. And, and it's exciting of uh, thinking, just thinking of all the things that you've uh, incorporated into this uh, live stream. Now, of course, if you don't get to watch the live stream, you've got a couple other things planned for rebroadcasting, right? Yes. So the live stream is tomorrow. Four o'clock is the main show. 3.30 is the start. Uh, it will be recorded. So you can always go back to Facebook and watch the full show. Um, but if you are more of a HON person, um, Sunday at 7 p.m. we'll be doing kind of a roundup, an hour-long version of the show at 7 p.m. this Sunday. Uh, we also decided to go even bigger, um, and we had almost 200,000 people watch the show last year. So we thought, hey, half of them were from the mainland, half were from Hawaii, actually 5% were in Japan. So we thought, hey, let's, let's double down on this. Let's continue to test out new channels. And so we ended up buying time on Fox 5 in San Diego. So there'll be a San Diego version of the show uh, next week, as well as a show in Japan. I've got a totally different Japanese co-host. Um, it'll be in Japanese. We'll have Japanese translation for the, the, for the pitches. So we're really testing out some of these new opportunities, and, and we'll see what happens. But we're, we're really excited. Yeah, and, and I think you mentioned that uh, Takaho uh, Iwasaki is your co-host for uh, the Japan version, and I've had her on several times, and she does the Island of Innovation kind of demo yeah. days. So that's that's really great, and and uh, I like the fact that you're getting not only KHON, but you got San Diego, you got Japan. So it sounds uh, sounds great. Now, so Melly, uh, you know, I'm going to register because you know I think I I, I I'm going to try for some of those uh, gifts that you're going to be sharing with everybody. But uh, if somebody wants to go to the website to sign up uh, for the event, where can they go? They can go to houseofmanaup.com to register for free, and we've got over 40 giveaways. So get on there, and you'll be entered to win all of them. Okay, <laughs> that's the challenge. I will do that right after the show. Mahalo, Meli, for joining us. Thanks, Bert. 
And of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Brian Glazer, co-founder of Hohonu. And we'll talk about sea level rise and, of course, sensor technology. And this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe on Hawaii Public Radio, and I'm happy to welcome Brian Glazer back to the show. He's the co-founder of Hohonu and, of course, an associate professor over at SOAS, and, and I'm going to let Brian explain what he does as a professor <laughs> as well. And, of course, he's here to talk about sea level rise, climate change, sensor technology, and a cool partnership with NOAA. Hey, Brian, welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Oh, thanks a lot, Bert. Yeah, it's great to be here. You know, I you know I, I uh, like I said I was looking at my notes and and uh, we had you on the show back in I think 2017, which is like <laughs> four years ago, and you know I I want you to explain kind of the 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 history the path the pathway that you took because you know um, I've I you and I have crossed paths many times. I mean the work that you've been doing with sensor technology out at uh, Pai Pai Ohia and you know, measuring water levels and, and looking at the, you know, the sort of the long-term impact of um, El Nino and, and um, various, you know, kind of global weather weather patterns. Uh, and then I think, at, you know, at, at um, one point in time, uh, in fact, uh, with, with Melly, I think we, we were both over at the HVCA and, and, and you were contemplating how some of the work that you do you know, from a research uh, professorship standpoint, could potentially become a business. So, you know, and that, that that transition has always been something that I know you've you've uh, talked about and contemplated, and and you've made the you made the jump. Of course, you're still do, you're still a professor, and now you're running a company. Uh, but give us a give us a quick kind of like synopsis of what has happened over the last kind of like four years. Yeah, you know, progress takes time. Innovation takes time and money and talent. And you, know, you usually are lucky if you have one or two of those, and it's impossible to have all three. Um, but, but yeah, you know, I, um, I was born in Pittsburgh. I lived up and down the East Coast, but I've been here in Hawaii since 2004. I came out with a postdoctoral research fellowship with the NASA Astrobiology Institute. At the time, I was studying deep-sea volcanoes and have always studied how chemistry and biology and physics work together in the oceans. And uh, over the last six years, I've really been focused more and more on doing that remotely and applying some tools and technologies that we just didn't have available for oceanography. But in parallel, you know, meteorology has had for maybe 50 years. And, you know, anybody today can click a button on the web or walk into a, a retailer and buy an anemometer, install it on your roof, and download a, an app and know exactly how fast the wind is blowing at your house. Mm -hmm. But you really can't do that for water quality or even flood control or water level. And so um, what we did was we, we you know, some of the research that we were doing, funded by the National Science Foundation and Eric and Wendy Schmidt's uh, foundation, Schmidt Marine Technology Partners, um, we were getting enough traction with developing some new cost-effective technologies that uh, UH um, Office of Innovation caught kind of attention of it and said, hey, you should think about pathways to commercialization, uh, introduced me to what I would say is the right kind of nurturing and encouraging folks. And... Uh, we ended up launching Hohonu as a public-private startup to commercialize a technology that's been developed in my lab at UH over the past six years. Well, that's great. And, you know, I think the, the, the balance that uh, I, I'd like you to maybe mention is, 
how do you how do you balance being a professor as well as running a startup? I mean, those are both very time consuming activities. <laughs> Absolutely true. And there are you know, uh, Hohonu is a public private startup. The University of Hawaii has a partial equity owner in the company, but it is a, a for profit company. And we saw that the pathway to actually have the larger impact was to to go that route and not just keep it as a research project within the confines of my lab mm-hmm. at UH. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's conflict of in- interest management from the president's office all the way down to you know, to my, my department chair uh, to make sure that what happens at UH is happening at UH in research context and what happens at the company and there are firewalls between. I'm only allowed to spend so many hours per week on, on Hohonu activities. But at the highest level, you know, the climate and oceans are changing at unprecedented rates, and there are fundamental problems on top of the problems of climate change in that it's been cost prohibitive to really measure the environment at appropriate scales to meet the challenges that we're seeing from intensifying climate change. And that that's to unpack that really, you know, there are, in, there are research, basic and applied research opportunities in that as well as entrepreneurial opportunities in that. And so really the synergy between um, what happens throughout SOAS especially, but certainly in my lab with R&D for cost-effective ocean observing technologies and then delivering that operationally, not as a research project, but operationally to communities that didn't otherwise have access to those kinds of technologies uh, is, is a pretty strong, concrete um, concept. And that's, that's what's really allowing us to be um, I think it had some early successes. So when you when you talk about some of this uh, um, kind of a firewall and, and maybe you know just protections around conflicts of interest, I mean, most of most of I would imagine uh, the work that you do in a in a research lab could test out some concepts, you know, on on how to leverage some technologies to arrive at the kind of information that you're trying to trying to arrive at. And then if if some of those concepts seem like they would be commercialized. Uh, how would you? How was the, the the firewall? How was the firewall kind of protecting one versus the other? How does it transfer yeah, over to a commercialized, you know, um, a product? It's a really, really neat pathway for me. And um, so, university's vice president for research and innovation office, Sola Sirmos, and the office of innovation commercialization has been great with me. Um, Steve Auerbach. Mm-hmm. Initially, they said, "Oh, okay, you you have a device that is low cost and measures water level. Let's patent it and let's license it to a company." I said, "No, no, no. no. That means that hardware isn't really the bread and butter here. It's the full package of having a, a cost effective hardware solution, but then knowing how to ingest data through the cloud and knowing how to apply back end algorithms to apply quality assurance and quality control." for sensor data on the fly, use those algorithms to then flag any kind of anomalous data to say either, hey, the sensor is malfunctioning and we need to replace it, or, hey, this king tide event is a foot and a half higher than was predicted six months ago or, or a week ago. And then also layering on top of that is providing visualizations through a web data portal so that we can engage with consumer users, customers, who otherwise would never engage with this kind of data at all, but they're wondering about it and they need it. We have uh, a co-founder of the company and a, a, a longtime friend and colleague of mine in South Carolina tells us anecdotal stories about parents not being able to pick up their kids from preschool at high tide, not knowing what parts of their roads and towns are flooding. Mm-hmm. And to mm-hmm. me and, and her, that's just unacceptable, right? We have to be able to do something about that, and it's not a research project to do that. So what you're describing is that you can uh, position Hohonu as that full-service provider and not just not just based on the kind of hardware and technology that you might have implemented 
kind of in the lab, this is like a full-service uh, analytical resource that, that uh, you can bring to the table. Exactly. You nailed it. And, you know, the academic rigor and the basic science questions are still there. And so there's still need for basic science and research, which we do in my lab at UH and lots of others do as well. But then also that academic rigor and applying it to NGO partners or governments and commercial customers and nonprofits and municipalities all around the world, frankly, but especially in the U.S. and especially now in, in the southeast U.S. who have really taken to this um, Hohonu is the one who can design and build and deploy those IoT sensor networks along their waterways and really deliver the data products to those audiences that are finding themselves in gaps between existing tide gauges or, or environmental observation networks. Yeah, I do. I do want to talk more about the uh, you know the partnership with with uh, NOAA and and the work you're doing in the, in the uh, continental Southwest. Uh, but I, I want you to help um, uh, maybe walk through the. Uh, an experience that you might have learned uh, as a result of maybe the work out at uh, Pai Pai Ohe'ia, because I know that was that was an example of, of work that you were doing right here in our backyard. And and how did that help inform some of the work you're doing now with uh, uh, Hohonu? Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, you know, again, I grew up as a kid in Pittsburgh, farthest thing away from a Hawaiian fish pond. But, you know, the moment that I kind of stepped foot out at, out at Hey, I fell in love with the place and just had this great you know, appreciation for, for the place and, and the work and the, the cultural sensitivities and restoration and resilience, as well as the, the parallels that go along with environmental restoration. And so I've had projects and worked with collaborators at, at Hey, since 2006, 2007. Um, and then as we saw that there are technologies available today that weren't around five years ago, 10 years ago, let alone, let alone 400 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. There are also challenges emerging today that weren't around 400 years ago when Hawaiian fish ponds were very productive and sustainable. And so the, the, uh, you know, the amazing groups who are out there and who are working hard to restore Hawaiian fish ponds to, uh, to areas of resilience and productivity and, and thriving are seeing challenges today that didn't exist right from from the from the uh, it, from the traditional knowledge of how the ponds work mm -hmm. and so th the power is that we can use tools today to help us understand how the, those places are threatened uh, whether it's land use change whether it's rising sea levels or temperatures or sedimentation rates that have accumulated over, over hundreds of years to really um, provide some insight into how can we take advantage of some of the emerging technologies that are available today and then blend those with the indigenous knowledge of those places to really accelerate the, the restoration of them. So, and so we've, um, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. So was, was Pai Pai Ohea one of the places that helped really inform what you could do with uh, Hohonu? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a physical oceanographer. I'm not a programmer, but I dabble in a little bit of those spaces. But the reason that we've hit a chord with developing a sea level or water level sensor for tides um, is because of the encouragement and the uses that we got in applications from the local EO restoration community. We work with uh, about 15 different groups through, throughout the islands who are all engaged in some degree of restoration. And you know, in many ways, Pai Pai is the crown jewel of that because they've been working so hard at it for so long. Um, and there's, there's a lot of other groups out there through the islands who also, you know, maybe they have 157th graders coming to help them move rocks and rebuild walls at low tide. They need to know when to schedule that. And if the nearest NOAA tide gauge isn't close enough to really help with that, mm -hmm. that's how we can help by mm -hmm. providing on-site access to data. No, that's great. That's great. And of course, uh, you know, as as uh, you sort of uh, transitioned in from you know the the 
the real world application out at the Heia and now into kind of this uh, startup mode and and actually getting a pretty sizable <clears throat> sizable opportunity in in the um, continental south uh, south southeast. I, I do want to hear more about how that part of the you know the the story of Hohonu has has started to pick up. And of course, we'll we'll hold that thought right now, and we'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Brian, Brian Glazer. He's the co-founder of Hohonu, and of course, this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Anchor Systems Hawaii. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe on HPR One. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Brian Glazer. He's the co-founder of Hohonu. He's also a professor over at the University of Hawaii in uh, in Soest. And, of course, uh, he's here to talk about sea level rise, climate change, sensor technology, and, of course, this, this cool partnership uh, going on with NOAA. And, of course, right before the break, uh, we were kind of moving from, you know, the work that, uh, Brian, you've been doing here in, in Hawaii and then and, and sort of perfecting the, the kind of uh, analytical tools that you can bring to the table to look at what, what some of this data is, is now telling you. And so how did you, how did you start to now kind of like um, incorporate, and, and how did you get the interest of NOAA? And, and you know, as any startup, right, I, mean, I think a lot of people will start to measure the value of a startup by the kind of uh, contracts they get. How, what, kind of, what kind of actual work are, are you able to show for the, the, you know, the value of that company? And, and, of course, the more work you have, the more valuable the company, and, and you've, you've landed a pretty good uh, contract. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's been a, a fairly linear pathway for for an academic to think about, and some of the startup um, you know culture might think differently. But you know, we the, the the research project that funded the launch of this really wholeheartedly was entitled "Democratizing Access to Ocean Observing Technology." Mm. And it's a little bit of a mouthful, but what it really means is that we want these kinds of sensors and this kind of sensor and time series data to be available and digestible by non-scientists who need access to climate and environmental data. And, you know, we started off as, a, as, a, as an R&D pro- project, as, as research in the university, but we were getting demand. I would go to a national or international conference and give a talk, and four or five, you know, researchers from other locations would say, hey, we've got a project um, in XYZ, and we don't have a, a tide gauge or a rain gauge, and we need that. Can you sell us one? And what's very common in academia is that you have a million-dollar instrument in your lab, and someone sends you a water sample, and for $12 per water sample, you give them a phosphorus number or an isotope value. Mm -hmm. And that basically operates at the university as as a nonprofit organization. And so we got big enough and had enough demand that that with that that um, it really it really outgrew what I could do in the lab. And so we, um, you know, I, I, I talked to the folks in the Office of Innovation. I said, "Look, I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't know how to start a startup. I need some guidance and mentorship there. Can you introduce me to some people?" And they did. They, um, and probably key to all of this was uh, introducing me to Donovan K. Aloha, who is a co-founder at Purple Maya Foundation and a venture capitalist, and also has had uh, successful startups in the past. And He's just been absolutely um, amazing at helping to guide us from a business and operational startup perspective to really launch Hohonu um, as we have built upon the domain knowledge and and the credibility from the science problem and then the the tech problem of how to solve this. 
So we went at it as a young startup um, and said, hey, well, we'll just go talk to NOAA and for, you know, submit a proposal. And they know they have a problem. They know that the way that they've been trying to solve it isn't cost effective and uh, we'll pitch it. And so we've been uh, pretty fortunate to be able to work with a bunch of different organizations, including the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association, uh, Coastal Carolina University, Georgia Tech, Florida Atlantic University, Florida International University, within a division of NOAA's Integrated Ocean Observing Systems throughout the southeast. So we're part of a team that's now contracted to roll out about 60 to 70 sensors from Florida to North Carolina for communities who, um, who find themselves in those gaps between existing NOAA tide gauges and find themselves more and more critically needing access to that kind of data. So the the example that you described earlier where a family, you know, needs to pick up their kids, but they're in between these rain gauges, and they, so it's hard to tell, uh, or tide gauges, you know, what the situation is like. Uh, describe what would your what would your system be able to uh, inform them of, and 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 where would they be able to access this information? Right. So anybody now can go to hohonu.io, h-o-h-o-n-u.io. And uh, you can interface with our, our dashboard. And so the dashboard shows you a map, like a Google map, and where the pins are, where existing NOAA data uh, is coming from, from tide gauges, and then all of the augmented sites that, that we've now deployed. Uh, we have several here in Hawaii, and then uh, and we're in 14 different states, and we're heavily right now the highest densities throughout the southeast for, for collaboration with the, the Integrated Ocean Observing System and individual cities, towns towns, counties, municipalities throughout the southeast. So those users, whether it's town managers or sustainability office uh, managers, uh, nonprofit organizations engaged in environmental restoration, educators, aquaculture you know, communities, all of these different kinds of users need access to hyperlocal water level for maybe for different reasons. And so that's what we're able to provide in real time. Click on the link easily look at what is the water level, what has it been in the last several days, and then what is the prediction for the next three, five, seven days out into the future. And that's what we're, we're providing with higher granularity and better accuracy than, than the federal programs because we're, we're ingesting empirical, we're creating empirical data at those locations where previously there was no lot of real-time data. So do you see this uh, relationship with NOAA expanding beyond these uh, the 54 communities that you're focusing in on, you know, in the southwest and I mean the southeast and, and looking at perhaps even even further expanding your network? We do. And it couldn't be a better time to be launching something like this. Um, you know, the, the administration in D.C. Is, is, has recognized that climate change is a problem. Uh, you know, Department of Homeland Security, FEMA is talking about flood resilience and what that looks like. Um, so, so it's a good opportunity for federal programs to lead the charge on this. And once we kind of build the network and can engage a network effect of enough sensors in enough locations, that can lead Hohonu to the higher growth customers, the commercial customers like real estate and uh, utility companies. You know, utility companies are relocating assets away from, from coastlines, and real estate and insurance and reinsurance are, are starting to awaken to these kinds of uh, impactful episodic flooding events. You know, uh, just out of curiosity, I mean, are there sites on, on Oahu that I can go check out? There are, absolutely. So we've got a uh, longtime tide gauge at Mackay Pier, as well as uh, in several in Kaneohe Bay and several at, uh, at Hawaiian Mokoia ponds throughout the, throughout the state. Well, that's great. I'm going to definitely go, go uh, dig around in uh, hohonu.io. And, of course, I, I just, you know, said the URL. So <laughs> you want to remind people where they can find out more information uh, about all your work that you do? 
Yeah, that's it. So on the UH side, you can Google me through the University of Hawaii in oceanography, and on Hohonu's side is hohonu.io. Very good. Brian Glazer, he's the co-founder of Hohonu, a science-driven water monitoring to improve climate change adaptation. Of course, I want to thank you for joining us today. <clears throat> and of course, <laughs> thank you for listening to Bite Marsh Cafe. Join us next week when we will find out about the asteroid hunting over at Pan Stars and the Institute for Astronomy. Of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can f- you can email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You stay safe. You stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you.